Good morning. My name is Chris. I get to serve as the lead pastor here at EPAG. If we haven't had a chance to connect, I would love to do that today. I'll be in the lobby after service along with many others of our team and people who are volunteering and serving all over this campus today. So we'd love to connect. We'd love to get to know you more, hear your story. How many are excited about 100 degree weather today? Give it three months and it'll drop 100 degrees. So, so just, just give it time. It's all coming back around. In fact, it'll probably drop more like 120 degrees. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to get plenty of opportunities. Don't you worry. You'll be, you'll be asking for warmer weather eventually. Uh, hey, I'm an equal opportunity complainer, right? Complain when it's hot, complain when it's cold. Yeah, anybody? No, just kidding. Hey, if you've got your copy of God's Word, Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6, would you go there with me? We're in a series simply entitled, This Means War, talking about uh, the battle that we are living in, particularly as Jesus followers and how some of this plays out in our world too. Ephesians chapter 6, we've read some of this already in this series. We'll pick up today and read another chunk of it. And... Uh, I'm just thrilled that you're here, and I pray that the Lord will minister to you as we look to the Word together. Pick up in verse 10, if you will, Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, and against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. We've talked about that phrase throughout this series. We're encouraged to be alert and of sober mind. Be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. If you've missed any of this, you can always go back and listen to other messages in this series, epag.church or the epag app. We've established a couple of things already. Number one, we have a real enemy. We often call him Satan or the enemy or the devil. And he's determined to attack God's plans and God's people. Scripture tells us in Ephesians chapter 6 that we are wrestling with the devil's schemes. The word schemes translates to mean strategies or methods. And later in these verses, we're told our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not just what we see in the natural. It's not just what we deal with in this world as we live life. It's not one another. Our struggle is against rulers, authorities, powers, and spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. So we see in this that there is order to what the enemy's trying to do. He's strategic in what he tries to do. We've talked about how uh, a football team will study film 
and, and meticulously dissect what's happening with the other team, whether it's offense or defense. They want to look and see what their tendencies are. And they're looking for weaknesses. They want to find places that they can exploit those weaknesses so that a team can gain an advantage over the other team. After they've watched that film, they develop a plan. And the most important thing about it, of course, is when they get on the field, those players then have to execute that plan and see if their plan works. So the enemy is executing a plan. He, he doesn't, he's not all knowledgeable. He's not everywhere present at one time. He's not all powerful, but he's real. And he is determined to attack God's plans and God's people. And he does it in a strategic way. He, he will even target our weaknesses or our personality types or the worries that we have of this life, the conflicts with other people. He will go deep to try to plant thought or to attack or to find an open door. Last week we focused on the reality that we must be strongly connected to the source of life and authority and power, and His name is Jesus. If we want to be victorious in this spiritual war, then we've got to serve and be strongly connected to the victor who has already won the battle. That's why Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 6 that we're to be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Not in our own strength, not in our own abilities, not in what we can do. Because if we're honest, we've had plenty of opportunities where we've done things on our own and how did that go? We fell short. We've shown our weaknesses. We struggle in ourselves. But if we can be strongly connected to the source, Jesus, we will have life, we will have authority, we will have power. We talked last week how I've lived in, it seems like every place I've lived, there's been one of those outlets that was not snug with the plug that you plug in. Uh, do you know that since I preached that last week, it happened like three or four times this week? <laughs> Kid you not. Uh, that stupid devil. But anyway, I kid you not, I, my charger, a brand new charger, brand new little stand that I can put my phone, my watch, and my earbuds all on the same thing to charge, but the plug kept falling out of the outlet. And we talked last week how we don't want a loose connection with Jesus. We don't want to just sprinkle a little Jesus on our lives and that's okay. We want to be immersed in Him. We want to be immersed in His power. We want to be strongly connected because the power we need, the charge that we need, the strength that we need is coming from Him. It will not be found just in ourselves. We don't have what it takes to defeat the enemy on our own. We find in Ephesians chapter 6 that God wants to equip us to stand firm and to fight against the attacks of the enemy. He wants us to be successful. He wants to share his one victory in our lives. So Paul tells us in Ephesians 6 to put on the full armor of God. Put on the full armor of God. I've lived through two winters now in Minnesota. I know how much you guys love winter and even thinking about it today. I lived through two winters in Minnesota, and what I have found is a heavy coat is a must. You've got to have a heavy coat. Uh, I've invested more in, in hats. I don't know what you call them, but there's names for them everywhere that are different in different regions of the country. But I, I've got one of those hats to help keep my head and my ears warm. I've got a wrap that goes around my ears and my head. I've got a ski mask I could rob a bank with. I mean, I've got it all. I've got it all, and I've, I've learned you've got to have layers. All of this stuff is functional. All of this stuff is good, but what I found is if you don't put it on, it doesn't do you any good. If you leave it at home, it doesn't do you any good. 
it, we just went on uh, vacation here several weeks ago, and uh, we got to Yellowstone National Park and the Grand Tetons. If you've never been, both beautiful places. Uh, we got there, and the temperature was drastically different than what it was here. Thankfully, we looked at the weather forecast ahead of time, and we went prepared, because how many know it's terrible to get somewhere and have the wrong clothes? The Apostle Paul teaches us in Ephesians chapter 6 that God has provided what we need. He's giving us the spiritual weapons, the supernatural weapons that we need to fight the good fight of faith, to fight against this work of the enemy, and we're told to put on the full armor of God, to live in close connection with Jesus and to live within the realm of his truth. And when the day of evil comes or when the enemy tries to attack, we can stand firm. That means we're standing firm and we're not relinquishing or letting go of what has already been given to us and what has been promised by God. So part of the picture is, uh, imagine in some ways you're defending a territory. And that territory is what God's already done for you through Jesus. That territory is what God has promised to your life in His Word. And you're standing firm. I will hold on to this. I will believe this. I will live in this truth. I'm not giving you ground in my mind to think otherwise or differently from the truth of God. And then we also fight back against the enemy's attacks. Now, we'll talk on a practical level about this next week. But we fight back against the enemy's attacks by focusing and using truth as our weapon. Here's the reality. God wants all of us to stand firm and none of us to fall or fail. The enemy wants everyone to fall and fail. There's a reason why God in His love and in His power and His desire for us to be victorious gives us the warnings, be alert, be of sober mind, and gives us the instructions of Scripture. God knows the enemy is out to attack and get people to fall. He doesn't want you to follow God's plan for your life. He doesn't want you to follow truth. He doesn't want you to believe in God. He wants to shake your faith and convince you that there is another way. Paul wrote these scriptures in Ephesians chapter 6 under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We believe that the Word of God is God-breathed, all scripture inspired by God. And he writes it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but he had a really good opportunity for a word picture and gives us some glimpse into how this came about. Paul dealt with a lot of struggles in his life, and I'm going to tell you, a lot of his struggles weren't uh, of his own doing. A lot of his struggles were simply because of the fact he followed Jesus and he chose to spread the gospel of Jesus. Simply because he was doing right and living right. Simply because he was following Jesus, there were struggles. Uh, in fact, if you read his writings to the church at Corinth, you will find that he was, he's been beaten, he's been whipped. He was stoned once and left for dead. He gets up and goes right back into the city. I mean, I'm, I can be hard-headed, but that seems extreme. If you stoned me and left me for dead, I'm not sure I'd just hop right back up and come back into town. Uh, he went through a lot of things, and one of the things that he went through is Paul was imprisoned multiple times. And in Roman culture in that day, he would be chained to the soldier that was overseeing him, that was watching him. 
So when Paul writes about this spiritual armor, this armor of God, he's looking at this soldier who's standing beside him, and he's recognizing all these different pieces of armor, and he gives us this word picture of what it's like to fight from a spiritual perspective, that we need not just the physical armor, the physical weapons, but we need the spiritual weapons of God to fight in a way that is victorious. Now notice verse 14. The Apostle Paul says, Stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. One translation reads, having your loins girt about with truth, but nobody wants to talk about their loins. So we'll just go with belt of truth buckled around your waist. Now, I don't know about you, but I usually put my belt on last when I get dressed. It'd be kind of strange to put it on first. My belt's not elaborate, uh, it's a cheap belt. I would show you, but this would get awkward. It's a cheap belt. <laughs> you got really tickled at that, didn't you? <laughs> it's, a, it's a cheap belt. It's reversible. I'm that cheap. It's brown on one side and black on the other. I'm pretty sure the buckle's coming loose. And every so often, I have to tighten it with a screwdriver so it just doesn't come completely undone. It's probably the donuts we eat every week, honestly, if you want to get down to it. That and Cold Stone ice cream. I'll give you a well enough in advance today if you're looking for Christmas gifts for me. No, I'm just... Here's the deal. Uh, With a belt, especially in in what I'm wearing today, you wouldn't even notice my belt. You probably wouldn't see it at all unless we got awkward. And the same was true with a belt with a Roman soldier. People would look at everything else this Roman soldier was wearing. They would never start by looking at his belt. They would look at the helmet on his head that was elaborate and very intricately detailed. They would look at the breastplate on him that started at the neck and went down and was either bronze or brass. They might even look at the shin guards that were decorative and shoes with spikes that were one to three inches long on the bottom of the feet to hold them in place, or even the sword or the lance. Hey, let me see that sword you got there. There was a lot of metal. The armor was heavy. And if you saw a soldier, you wouldn't start describing him by a belt. A belt can seem really insignificant until you take it off. And if that belt's doing a job, if it's there for that purpose... How many know the pants get looser and they start to fall? You can even have a shirt that comes untucked. And ultimately, if you're going around and you're constantly tugging at those pants because that belt was serving a purpose, and you're constantly pulling at that, those pants all day long, you don't feel very confident. It wasn't about the decoration. It was about the function of the belt for the Roman soldier. This was a centerpiece in the armor that he's wearing It would hold loose clothing to keep it from being a hindrance. It would hold some of the other pieces of armor either together or give it a resting place. The breastplate that ran from the neck down would attach so it didn't flop in the wind. The shield of faith, large and oblong in size, was able to be sat on it. The sword hung on the belt. The belt had purpose. And I would contend this morning... That while we talk about the armor of God with all these individual references and all these individual word pictures, I would contend the function of this armor all connects back to the function of the belt of truth. Last week we talked about the living word, Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. This week we're focusing a little bit more on the written word of God, the Bible, which is God's truth. And in this illustration in Ephesians chapter 6, the armor protects us, 
defends us and serves us well as we live in the realm of truth following Jesus and his commands and instructions. If we want to live a life that's protected, if we want to live a life that's empowered, if we want to live a life that is uh, according to the ways of God and the truth of God and even experiencing the blessings of God, then we've got to live within the realm of truth. We don't get up every morning and have this religious routine. Well, you know what? I'll go to the closet today and pick out my helmet of salvation and make sure it's on my head. It's not some religious routine. It's not this rote sense. What Paul is giving us is a word picture, and it's that when we follow Jesus and we walk in nearness with Jesus and we pay close attention to him and his instruction, and when we listen to him and obey him, then we are living in the realm of truth. And when we're living in the realm of truth, we are equipped with the full armor of God and to be successful in this war. May I suggest to you today, our lives in spiritual war must be anchored in truth, the Word of God. Why does this matter so much? Why does it matter so much what we believe? Why does it matter so much that it is the truth of God that we believe? Let me ask you. You think about the helmet of salvation. You think about salvation itself. What is it hinged upon? When the enemy comes against us and tries to tell us your past is too littered with too many mistakes, Jesus didn't die for you, You, you're too much of a sinner, Uh, you're still living in that sin, you haven't been forgiven. How do we be assured? How are we assured that salvation is a sure thing? How are we assured that Jesus has done this work for us? How do we remember what God has done when the enemy tempts us to forget? Is it not the truth? What is our thought life formed around Romans chapter 12 verse 2 challenges us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. To not live as culture lives. To not live as the world around us lives. To not get caught up going the same direction in all of life's stream. But to swim upstream. To be opposite and to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. What do we renew our minds with? Truth. How do, we, how do we have faith and what do we have faith in? When we talk about this shield of faith and we hold up this shield of faith and Scripture says it extinguishes the fiery darts of the enemy. So the enemy is shooting off these fiery darts. We could talk about thoughts or attacks or all sorts of different ways the enemy works. And this shield for a Roman soldier would be covered, saturated in this liquid And that when the arrow hit, it would extinguish it. It would put it out and the arrow, the attack, would fall to the ground. Well, what is our faith in? In this word picture, what is our faith in? What are we grounded in? What do we depend on? It's the truth. How do we live righteous lives? We study God's truth and we follow the truth. Where do we find peace? How do we help others find peace? What do we use to fight off the enemy when he lies to us? What do we share with other people in our world? The answer is truth. God's truth. Absolute truth. Here's the reality. If you remove the truth, it's only a matter of time before you spiritually fall apart. If you remove truth, it's only a matter of time before you spiritually fall apart. You can't fight against the the lies of the enemy because if you don't know the truth and you're not living in the realm of truth, you don't recognize the lies of the enemy. You can't fight through all the voices in the world that are clamoring for your attention, trying to press in different opinions on you. Instead, if the truth is not there, you can be deceived, you can be led in the wrong direction, 
your life becomes open to other thoughts that are not of God, that are not pure, that are not accurate. The truth keeps the helmet on our heads, the peace in our heart and mind, the focus on Jesus as the source of righteousness, and our focus on His instruction on how to live. May I challenge you today? A lot of people think that freedom in their lives from different sin Uh, freedom of the attacks of the enemy, freedom of bondage, freedom of all these different things. A lot of people are expecting this radical, miraculous thing from God to happen. I'm going to go to the altar, or I'm going to find a place to worship God, and while I'm worshiping, His presence is going to become so real and so tangible, and God's just going to poof, slap me upside the head, or take it out of my life, or do all of these different things. Similar when people say, well, I I need a, a right now, a rhema word from the Lord. People are expecting God to just write on the wall or slap them upside the head or send somebody with a gift of the Spirit to give them a word of wisdom or word of knowledge or word of prophecy. All of those things are true. All of those things can happen. I think we can all look back in our lives to when we had moments in God's presence like that. I think we can all look back in our lives to when we had those supernatural experiences. I think we can all probably look back in our lives and remember a moment when God used someone else to come with a word that either confirmed or spoke to us something that God wanted to say. But may I tell you, so much of the freedom that's going to come in your life, so much of what you want to hear from God, it's going to come in what feels like the mundane and engagement of the Word of God day to day in your life. You want God to hit you over the head? You want God to shock and awe? You want God to put on the show? You want God to do the miraculous? Nothing wrong with desiring to be engaged in His supernatural power and Word, but don't forsake the reality that God has already given us His Word. He's already spoken so much to our lives. And sometimes I think we neglect that part and kind of lay it to the side because it feels, it feels mundane some days. That I, be honest, not every day you wake up, you say, you know what, let me sit down and read three chapters, I can't wait. Let me read Leviticus and talk all about the sacrifices. Come on. There's there's an ebb and flow to the feeling. Now, I think that the more you engage in God's Word and the more you walk with God, the more you want to because I think your cravings change. I think you begin to desire more of those things of God. But my point is you can't live by those feelings. You can't let that dictate your life. But but we have to understand that it's not going to be just this supernatural emotional experience of how God works in our lives. He's going to work many days when it's 5 a.m. in the morning and you're sitting with your cup of coffee and you're reading the Word of God and the Holy Spirit is showing you something you've never seen before and He's speaking to your life about where you are right in that very moment. I'm not saying you shouldn't expect supernatural things. You should. God is a supernatural God who has much more ability than we can ever even fathom. But don't forsake what He's already given us. His Word, His truth. Some of the greatest freedom in your life will come in your life when you pay attention to and you live the truth of God and you replace the lies and you refute the lies and you fight off the lies of the enemy. There are a lot of Jesus followers who are still walking in some bondage Because there are lies that somewhere in their life have been told to them and they haven't replaced them with truth. 
And God is highlighting the lies, bringing them to the surface, showing you where people or the enemy himself or enemy using people in your life have spoken over you. And now God's showing you that so that the lie can be removed and the truth can take deeper root in you so that you can fight off what the enemy's trying to do in your life. Don't shout me down this morning. If you're not attentive to the truth of God, I would question today, then what does your life become anchored to? Because I'm, I'm convinced it's kind of like, like parenting. I learn a lot of things through parenting. I learn a lot of things about God's heart through parenting even. Uh, thank God He loves me. Because if He felt like I felt sometimes parenting, it'd probably be rough. How dare you do that again when I told you not to do that? Are you smart-mouthing your mama? <laughs> Yo, mama, just to be clear. Yo, mama. God teaches a lot of things. And, and what I've found in parenting is it's, it's not just that you take away the wrong things. It's not just that you're cautiously helping your children to understand that they shouldn't pay attention to the wrong things. You've also got to fill that void then with the right things. So if we don't pay attention to the truth of God, it's not just an empty spot. Something else is going to fill that void. If God's voice is not the leading voice in your life, another voice will gladly take its place. Are you understanding what I'm saying today? So if that's true, then if we're not attentive to the truth of God, then what, does our lives, what, what do our lives become anchored to? The lies of the enemy? That's not good. Do we create our own truth? How many people have ever heard someone say, well, that's my truth? Anybody? I've seen it on social media. I'm going to be honest with you. And if you've said it to me, I'm sorry. I apologize in advance. I don't think any of you have. I despise that phrase. Well, that's my truth. No such thing. It, it's not about developing our own standards, our own ways. You've got to have a standard. You've got to, because if we're all developing our own version of truth, we can justify anything. Justify our sin, justify our actions, justify our thoughts. Justify, we can justify anything if we're developing our own version of truth. Well, yeah, that was, that was right then, but it's not right now. Well, how can you say that? Well, I know God and He loves me and that's my truth bad mistake. We can't lean on ourselves. The book of Judges describes a time like this in human history and says that there was a time when everyone did what was right in their own eyes. No absolute truth, no standard. You think that's a new issue today? It's not. This has been happening. Humanity has fought for their own ways and their own rights and their own defenses and their own justifications. And ultimately, humans have deceitful hearts. That's what Scripture says. Deceitful hearts and limited knowledge. How in the world could we form our own standards of things from a place that's incomplete? That's why God's truth is truth. Because He has the full picture, the full knowledge of everything and created everything. If we're not attentive to the truth of God, what does our life become anchored to? Are we going to live by our feelings? Well, that's dangerous. Because when we get done today, I feel like going to a buffet. 
I mean, I've had a taste for Chinese food two days in a row and hadn't had it yet. That ham sandwich didn't do it. I, you know, I feel like, feel like going and buying a brand new $75,000 truck. I feel like dying today, too, if I do it, probably, but feelings change. When I get done today, when we get finished with our time on campus, I'm going to feel tired. And it's going to be wise for me not to make a lot of decisions while I feel tired. I'm just being honest. You know, sometimes some people, the most spiritual thing they could do is take a nap. Amen. Yeah, some of y'all had a gospel organ in the background when I said that. Mm. Pastor, if you just hurry up, I'd take one right now. Come on, somebody. You ain't got to tell me twice. I don't care what language it's in in Scripture. I'll be glad to take a nap. Feelings change, and feelings lie. And feelings can't be simply what dictates life. Could you imagine... If I got up and said, well, I got mad at someone, so I just felt like killing them. Can you imagine? There have been absurd societal changes and actions in our world based on feelings that have no regard for truth. Feelings cannot dictate. Our version cannot dictate. The enemy certainly cannot dictate. Life has to be centered in the truth of God. Well, what does that mean and what does that look like? What does it mean to be centered in the truth of God? So I take you to Matthew chapter 7, just really quick, probably familiar to many of you. Matthew chapter 7 says this, beginning in verse 24. Therefore, everyone who has ears, uh, everyone who hears, I almost said everyone who has ears. Do you have ears today? Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, notice this next phrase, and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Notice there's some similarities, and there's one big key difference. They both had houses. They both faced the storms. And actually, Scripture teaches us that both of these men, wise and foolish, both heard the truth. They both had opportunity to hear the truth. The wise one was the one who took the truth, absorbed it, applied it to their life, and put it into practice. They were like one who built their house on the rock. The foolish person was the one who heard the words, but did not put them into practice and was like a house that was built on the sand. What does it tell us? It tells us that truth, absolute truth, God's truth exists, but truth must be applied. It's not enough to just hear the Word. Isn't that what James said? Don't just be hearers of the Word, but be doers of the Word. The goal is not to just sit in a moment like this and hear somebody preach the message. The goal is not to just ride down the road and hear the Bible being read in audio form in our car. The, the goal is not to just check the box each day when we engage with the Word of God. If, if mere existence of the truth set everyone free, everyone would be free. But the truth must be acknowledged, the truth must be absorbed, and the truth must be applied to our lives. 
we must be living in that realm of truth. We're going we're gonna to learn it. We're going to listen to it. We're going to learn it. We're going to live it. We're going to listen. We're going to learn. We're going to live it. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says it this way, For the Word of God is alive and active, very important, The Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. This tells us that the Word of God is much more than just a spiritual discipline or a practice or a habit, and that the Bible is much more than just another book that you pick up to read. The Word of God is full of power to confront and change our lives. We must acknowledge, absorb, and apply. This is a spiritual weapon with the power of God at work. So when we acknowledge it and absorb it and apply it, when we listen to it and learn it and live it, we are experiencing the power of God at work in our lives. Now, when we talk about spiritual war, or we use the term warfare, or we talk throughout this series, a lot of people can think about demons and nightmares and the appearance of strange darkness at times, or some people can think that fighting in this war uh, is some supernatural experience to bring victory. We touched on that a moment ago. And next week, Lord willing, I'm going to touch on, touch on really briefly, but I want to give you Uh, some understanding in case it does happen in your life at some point where the enemy wants to attack, because he does. I'll touch on what what it looks like for the enemy to, to, for lack of a better word, manifest or bring evidence that he's trying to come against you. Uh, We'll talk about that a little bit and how to handle it. But I would remind you that in this conversation, I've I've tried to make clear, I don't always get that right, but I hope You've grasped this. I'm trying to make clear that much of the battle you face may not be those seeming supernatural activity. You know, the presence of a ghost in your house or, or the demonic possession around you or those different things, nightmares, whatever the case. I'm trying to convince and help you see that a lot of the battle that you're going to deal with with the enemy is going to take place right here. Between your ears. This is where he wants to get in the most. Because what you think, you then do. What you think, you become. What you think is what translates into how you act in life. So if he can get right here, in your mind, he will attempt to tempt you, to tell you there's not consequence to sin. He will attempt to deceive you, and to convince you that, that God's truth is not relevant for your life. He'll cause you to doubt your status in God, what God says about you, your identity in Christ. He will, try to, he will try to cause you to doubt God's work in your life. We talked last week that some of the hardest moments are when things in life aren't easy or you feel like you're sitting in a waiting room waiting on God to respond. And the enemy will come in and say, well, yeah, God doesn't really care about you. God's not really going to do anything. You're just waiting. Look how long you've waited now. Did God really speak to you to begin with? Did God really say? Was that not the same question he posed to Adam and Eve in the beginning? Did God really say? A lot of it's going to take place right here in the mind. I had a conversation between services, and I won't say too much so, so to protect the guilty, but I was wondering if you caught that. To protect the innocent, no. 
we were talking between services. How many times have any of us, we can talk about here again this battle of the mind. How many times in our lives have we had some kind of issue, maybe even with another person? Maybe it was legitimate, maybe it wasn't. Uh, but, but at some point, there's some kind of little... We talked about this a couple of weeks ago in Ephesians chapter 4. At some point, there's some little something that has the potential to cause us angst or even anger. And that if not careful, the Bible says to be angry and sin not, to not let the sun go down on your anger, do not give the devil a foothold. That there's an entry point that when some of these things happen, if we don't, if we don't deal with that in the, with the help of the Holy Spirit, there's an entry point possible there for the enemy. And then he comes in, and here comes these thoughts, right? How many of us have sat back and made assumptions or thoughts about people, and we, we, it's gone down a dark hole in a spiral, and by the time we're done, we've created this whole scenario in our heads about other people and what they must have thought, what they must have been doing, what their motives were, what their attitudes were. They must have meant what they said differently than how it was really said. How many of have been there. Come on. Be honest. I'll go again and say a lot of the battle that you're going to deal with with the enemy is not going to be this supernatural type thing. I'm not saying those things can't happen. I'm simply suggesting to you that the greatest attack is if he can get in your mind and get in your heart and stir up you not believing the truth of God's word. That's why this war is won by being anchored to the truth of God. And next week, probably one of the most practical, hands-on messages that, that I've maybe ever preached, certainly in this series thus far. I'll talk practically. How do we, how do, we do this? What does it look like in everyday life? Uh, how, do we, how do we respond when the enemy is attacking? What do we do? The war is won by being anchored to the truth of God. And we'll talk about truth is defense and truth is a weapon. Today I want to I wrap up by posing two questions to you. I'm not asking you to come to me to tell me your answer. I just want to encourage you, you and Jesus, to talk. Jesus is waiting to talk to you anytime you want to talk to him. So I encourage you today to take some time to do that. In just a few moments, there'll be some prayer team members that will come and they'll be on either side of the auditorium and they'll be available to pray for needs and to encourage you uh, to even talk about what it means to follow Jesus if you have questions today. But I want to I wrap up talking about the importance of truth in our lives. I want to wrap up by asking you two simple questions. Number one, how close are you paying attention to the truth? I'm, I'm not asking you to tell me where you're at in your Bible reading plan or how many days you've missed or how many days you've completed or what streak you've got on the Bible app. Or all. I'm, not, I'm not asking you all. I'm asking, what role is the truth playing in your life? Is it, is it a priority and a focus for you that you want to heed and listen to and pay attention to what God has spoken already in His Word? Well, what does that look like? Well, if it's a priority and a focus for us, then we're going to be intentional to spend time and focus on that truth, right? And then secondly, maybe, maybe the harder question for us today. Is there truth that God has already spoken that you're not following? Because we just talked in Matthew chapter 7 
that it's not enough just to hear the word. We want to put these things into practice. And James said it's not that we just want to be hearers of the word. We want to be doers of the word. So today we're saying, okay, Holy Spirit, I want you to help me to live an obedient life to this. I I want you to help me to not just read it and to not just look at it, but to truly absorb the truth of God that it takes root in my heart. The psalmist said it this way, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Is there truth that God has already spoken that you're not yet following? Sometimes that means that God's tugging on your heart for there to be some way that you're to change the way you're living or to make a change in some form of relationship, to make a change in some form of the way you handle the different things in your life. There can be a lot of different possibilities, so I won't spend all time trying to focus on that alone. I would just say that you would pray honestly before God today. God, if there's anything in me that offends you, if there's anything in me that, that when my life is, is up against the Word of God that, that doesn't line up, that something there's not, not right, it's, I'm saying I'm following you, but, but really I'm, I'm not paying close enough attention. I'm not, I'm not truly following. See, following Jesus, we're, we're paying attention. Following Jesus, we're wanting to grow to learn, to listen, to learn, to live it out. Is there any truth that God's already spoken in your life that maybe you're not yet following? Is there anything that God has told you to do that you haven't yet done? What's God saying to you today? Would you bow your heads, close your eyes where you are today? And I'm just going to lead us in a moment of prayer. And I invite you to pray with me. Prayer team members, if you would just make your way, go ahead and make your way here to the front on either side of the auditorium and just be in place for for when we wrap up praying today in case anyone has needs. Would Would you in your own words join me in praying today? Lord, we thank you that if we desire to know you and to know your heart, And Lord, all we have to do is look to your word. There's so much that we can know that you've already said. And God, we recognize today we're limited in ourselves, so we may not understand it all. We may we may not uh, we may have some question marks even about scripture that we want you to reveal to us. We want you to help us understand. But Lord, first and foremost, we ask that if we're not paying close attention today I I just pray the awareness of that in our lives and and a reminder of the importance of um, of seeking you through your word I think about your words to one of the churches in Revelation when you said to them remember the things you did at first and I think about oftentimes Lord how how when we first get saved and we're first aware of your goodness in our lives and what Jesus has done and we accept you and welcome you to lead us, how we're so excited to, to jump in the Word, how we're so excited to, to do a lot of different things, Lord, and, and to plug into Christ-centered community. We get so excited about telling someone else about faith and all those different things. But Lord, life jumps in. I think about your parable of the sower and how the sower cast seed, the truth 
how you give us opportunity for the truth. But there's the enemy at work who wants to snatch it. There's the worries of life that can cloud it out, Lord. There, there's so many different things clamoring for our attention, Lord. I just pray that you help us to understand the importance of focusing on your truth. I'm reminded that the Word says that, uh, that Lord, your Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So, Lord, you will direct us through your Word. And that truth is what we stand upon. When the enemy tries to come against us, that's what we stand on. And then, God, I also pray, Lord, if we are paying attention to truth and perhaps you've been speaking something to us and maybe we, maybe we hadn't quite grasped it yet. Or maybe we're struggling to live it out in obedience. Or maybe you want to speak today in some area of our life that, that your truth and our lives are not in alignment. And so you want to speak to us and you want to help us see that error. Lord, I'm reminded of, of the scripture that teaches us that the word is inspired by you. It's God-breathed and it's profitable. It's beneficial for us, not just for instruction and teaching, but also for correction. I think about my own child. If I see them doing something that is not healthy and helpful for them, I want to help them to see that. I want, to, I want to lead them in the right way. And Lord, how much more do you feel the same? That you love us as your children and you want to help us, you want to lead us, you want to provide the guardrails necessary to keep us from going off a cliff. So Lord, I pray that we would pay attention to your word, to your truth, and then by the help of the Holy Spirit, I pray we would live out in obedience whatever it may be that you're telling us today. Thank you, Lord. We, we need to recommit, and I pray, Lord, help us to do that, to recommit ourselves to immersing ourselves in your truth. To understand just how powerful your word is and how necessary your word is in our lives. Thank you for that, Lord. I pray in these moments, Lord, as we talk with you and you talk with us, that we would have ears that are open and receptive. And I pray you meet every need. Father, I pray that you would bless and keep this people. And you would make your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them. I pray your countenance, your favor, ever be turned in their direction and grant them your peace. I pray, God, you'll keep each and every person safe throughout many possible activities this weekend. I pray, oh God, that we will have rest in you, joy in you, strength in you, power in you. I pray, God, you will continue to speak to us as we seek to know you more. Go with us and keep us, I pray, in Jesus' name.